Welcome to the 163rd episode of the Young Turf Podcast from the Viner Fourgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're talking all about what's been going on for the Terps over the past, what, two weeks, Jordan? Yeah, about two weeks. We took a little bit of break from recording. Mason and I both got a lot going on these days, but to be fair, we didn't miss much. No, we did not. And before we get to the Terrapin Rundown and talk about some recruits, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995, located right here in the great state of Maryland and serving the entire DMV today. You can contact Allied at 301-986-0067. That's 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. So we got a couple uh, non-rev items here. Not much going on in the world of the non-revs right now. The first one is the Lady Terps has secured a 2021 commit. This one in the form of Swiss forward Emma Chardon. Chardon has played professionally overseas for the Geneva Basket of the uh, Women's Zero League of the last three seasons, as well as starring for the Swiss U16 and U18 national teams. She joins Cheyenne Sellers as the second member of the 2021 class. Uh, Sellers is a top 50 recruit. Now on to some baseball news. Terps pitcher Sean Burke was named Freshman All-American, as we talked with Todd on the last podcast, I don't really understand how they can have All-Americans. Yeah, it's kind of odd considering they only finished a few games this season, but hey, honors are honors. Good for uh, Sean Burke for getting the Freshman All-American nod. Baseball continues their bright future, and uh, something we didn't make the cut, but I thought was interesting. A Terp signee um, who was supposed to be in school in the fall got drafted in the third round by the Astros, so I can't remember his name, but he is unlikely to play for the Terps now. Yeah, and that is, you know, that happens in baseball, and and it's a little bit unfortunate for our Terps, but, I mean, great for that kid. He's, he's going to live out his dream. Uh, going back to, I guess, two weeks ago now, Jordan, or last week? Uh, now two weeks ago, yeah, Len Bias night on ESPN. Uh, interesting little thing they did there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, a lot of come up with Len Bias with all the um, the last dance stuff, talking about Michael Jordan. Uh, basketball country in the water. The the documentary on uh, was it Showtime? Yeah, Showtime. PG County and Kevin Durant produced on basketball in the DMV. Really? No, it wasn't on the DMV. No, it was though. on PG County. You're right. Yeah, there was nothing, nothing extra about it. Yeah, and I think it's interesting for our perspective because we didn't obviously grow up with Len Bias. We're the young Terps. We only we grew up with Grace Vasquez. Um. But we certainly heard the story of Len Bias countless times as kids. And to me, it always seemed like it was a Maryland-centric view that he was going to be the next great player. Because, I don't know, I just couldn't believe that the Terps had somebody like that. But having all this praise of Bias from national media as of late, especially yeah, with The Last Dance and Bias being the missing rival from the story, it provides some validation to the legend of Len Bias to me. Uh, I, I don't really think, you know, I never really thought that uh, Lenny was anything but what people said he was. You know, you talk about, you hear all of his teammates that say that all of, all of obviously all of Trip Nation, he's the greatest 
player, maybe not the greatest college basketball player, but the greatest player to play the game in College Park. And if you look at the history of Maryland basketball, it had to be somebody that was great. You know, the Terps have had so many uh, top-tier players and, and Len Bias to, to hear it. But you hear it really from the same people, too. Mike Wilbon, Scott Van Pelt, Jay Billis. You know, those are the guys that have constantly kept his name alive and kept the story of Len Bias, who's one of the, the greatest College basketball players, maybe is the term? Uh, or it might be or... just one of the greatest, purest basketball players to ever touch a floor. You know, if you watch him play, the jump shot's so smooth. I've never seen another player shoot a basketball like that. He gets so high up in the air. The only player, and this, he doesn't even really have the athleticism, the only player that I can think of that people look at and say the same thing about is Kevin Durant. I can see a comparison, actually. I mean, Durant's obviously taller, um, but I see the similar. I see what you're going for there, and I think an interesting part of that um, night to me was just from my basketball perspective, because I'm more of an NBA guy than I think you are, Mason. And Jack McMullen, who I think is one of the better NBA journalists out there, um, who covered who started out coming to the Celtics, she mentioned that his death kind of was a big part of destabilizing the Celtics organization and putting them into the darkness for in the '90s, and that's a that's just a part of the story that I haven't heard before. Um, and I thought that was interesting to hear the impact he had on that front. Um, but it was a very well put together night overall. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Definitely had a lot of different perspectives, especially about, you know, uh, yeah, I said it came off of the last dance. It, it was almost more about, you know, what could have been in the NBA, which you don't hear about, about much because I think it's so sad to a lot of people, especially in the Maryland community. Um, what could have been, you know, Maryland could have the Jordan brand. Yeah, you that know. that's very possible. Um, and it's interesting to also think about the, I don't want to rehash the whole thing, but I think it is worth mentioning. It's interesting to think about what Michael Jordan's legacy, because he, he's the greatest athlete of the 21st century in American sports, I believe, in terms of impact, in terms of on the field performance with mixed with cultural impact. And you wonder how it might have changed with Len Bias in the picture. Because maybe he's not seen as the single greatest basketball player to ever live if he has a rival that can even somewhat you know, take a couple of those rings off him or take a couple MVP awards off him. It changes the story, I think, a lot. It could be more similar to Larry and Bird. or sorry, Larry and Magic. In that they're seen as a duality instead of just him being the singular greatest player of all time. Yeah, but, you know, ESPN did a great job. And, and it's just... It's nice that that a player from that area era still gets recognized the way that the way that ESPN did uh, for Len Bias. They did, it, of course, with the thirty for thirty a few years ago, and maybe you know you think about it, not maybe not quite ten parts, but there could be something you know maybe not from ESPN coming that that kind of looks at the specifics of the after effects and and what it is. And I know the thirty for thirty did that a little bit, but I think there's a lot of interest in that kind of era of basketball now. I agree, and I think we'll leave it there for now. We have a lot of football news to hit before we uh, keep moving on here. So on June 1st, that shows you how long we've been off. June 1st, the Terps landed Nebraska offensive line walk-on transfer, Mitchell Ballinger, as the seventh O-line addition for the 2020 season. Uh, the Maryland native had a few FCS and D2 offers, but elected to fight for a walk-on spot with the Huskers. Uh, he will be a 22-year-old retro sophomore, and as you know, Mason... 
since he's a walk-on, that means he can transfer without uh, waiting a year. Yeah, uh, you're not going to see much out of this guy, uh, according to all the experts. But does a nice job of filling out a roster spot coming over from a different program uh, that plays at a similar level to the Terps. And who knows, honestly. Who kn- if he works hard and competes, maybe he'll see the field next season. Yeah, maybe know. he will. Uh, the Terps also gained another front seven commitment for the 2021 class this time. Three-star defensive end Terrence Butler Jr. from St. Francis. Uh, interesting kind of pickup here. The Terps pick up a wide side defensive end from St. Francis in Baltimore. Yeah, I kind of, this one was clumped together with another guy that the Terps tried to pick up. I think his name is Mathis Carroll from Gilman. Carroll choosing to go to Virginia Tech. The Terps land Butler. A, a guy that's really, really a raw talent. You know, he just kind of picked up football in the last couple of years. And there's a ton of potential here. You know, a long, very athletic kind of pass rusher. Uh, again, but a raw prospect and, and a guy that if he had a few more years, you know, given that he's in that St. Francis program, probably could have been a five-star football player. And it's worth noting when you have guys that are on the raw side that he has a whole season in front of them. So you could see a lot of development from him and see him rise up the rankings maybe get some more meat on his bones, both in a football knowledge sense and a literal sense. And we'll see what happens. But the seven commits for the defensive front, Mason, I know you've been hammering that we need more guys up front, but what, what's your take on this? Yeah, you just heard about it on the offensive line. The Terps bringing in seven guys, obviously not not as highly rated as these defensive linemen have been. It, it is a much-needed move. You know, you look at the... Success, I believe somebody tweeted out in the Maryland media scape uh, when it was about the Ellis McKinney uh, interview that was on Shell and Tell uh, this past week, a few days ago. You know, you look at his class, well, they had a lot of turmoil, didn't win a ton of games at Maryland. They have DJ Moore, Darnell Savage, uh, MB Tanya, who's playing up in the CFL. Uh, there's some success there. You know, they, they have. Four guys playing professional football, three in the NFL. I think maybe Jermaine Carter is the last one uh, out of that class. I, I don't really remember who it is, but it's definitely Savage and DJ Moore who are both very, very young and upcoming players in the league. Uh, it takes these classes of seven or six guys at a position group that breeds the competition that I talked about, I think, two episodes ago that forces success. You know, if it's not if it's not Damian Robinson, if it's not Marcus Bradley, then it will be, you know, Terrence Butler or D'Angelo Shockley yeah. or Taz Johnson. Yeah, you know, it's gonna it gives you the bodies that you need, it gives you the skill that you need. If you really look at it, why are they doing this? Well, Austin Fontaine's playing offensive guard into defensive tackle and Cam Spence had to leave football due to injury. And, you know, a guy here transfers there, and this guy decides to not play football anymore. I'm not talking about Spence when I say this guy doesn't decide to play football anymore, and suddenly you're in the spot where you've lost a whole class of defensive line. they got to start recouping in numbers. they have got to get more talent, and the talent was to be had this year, and hopefully they'll top it off with a commitment from uh, Javon Dumas-Johnson or uh, Greg Penn, and, and the Terps will be off and rolling also a linebacker. Uh, the position that's in need, other than quarterback, which we'll get to in a second, they've got to find themselves some defensive backs. They don't have one corner in this class yet. 
they have a guy, Dante Trader, who's playing lacrosse and football at Maryland, and another safety back there. But they've got to find some defensive backs. And another thing that I'll just throw in right now, Jordan, is there's been a lot of hype around Deont or Dante Banks coming into this year. He's been on every list of the top ten players that need to make an impact. I didn't really see it from him, to be honest. I didn't see much of him in the secondary, though. So I don't know how much of that is really on him and just the uh, talent deficit we had last season with with injuries and the lack of a pass rush. But I we need someone to step up or we're just get cooked all season again. Um, no but they need a pass rush. Need, just like they need a, a quarterback and throw a slant pass. You almost need to re, you need to rebuild the whole defense at this point. You have a de- some decent linebackers in there, but they have some very decent linebackers. Yeah, I'm not actually. the linebacker core is probably one of the stronger points of the team. But it's not gonna mean a ton if you don't have a pass rush or defensive coverage. You need at least one of those things to be on least on average. Yeah, they need to um just like they did this last season, uh with I believe it's Jacorian Bennett. Uh, go out and find another JUCO like a JC Jackson that's ready to go that can they can step in. They gotta you know kind of reconfigure that like they did the offensive line. Bring in some JUCOs. Hopefully some guys you know kind of come along that you have in your program and then you're up and running. Uh, on to the next topic. Caleb Williams decides he's committing on on the fourth of July. Looking like a strong uh, boomer sooner here. Yeah, Caleb Williams announcing his commitment date on the fourth. I feel like a lot of people lost some hype for Caleb. I mean, we still think he's a great player, but it just seems like he's going to Oklahoma at this point. I hope it's not true, though. I hope Maryland can pull some magic out here. I don't really see it, but... Yeah, it seems like the wind came out of these sails uh, when Tonga Vailoa decided to come to Maryland. Yeah, that, I think that was a big part of it. Uh, you know, Leah was just... It was a big boom also for Maryland football. Maybe not, you know, the size of the top-tier quarterback that's a five-star coming in as a freshman, but it was another... It was a win. Yeah, it was a win, and I think a lot of people took that and and kind of said, well, if they got this guy, I don't really think they're going to get Caleb Williams. Who knows? You know, I think this one, you know, all the experts are saying Oklahoma. Everyone says it's leaning towards Oklahoma. I, I kind of still look at it and say, with the COVID and with um, not being able to take visits, it's, who knows? Like, who knows if this commitment that he's even going to make is going to be the the final one. You know, he could go take some visits, especially what I would think down to LSU, and kind of maybe reconsider that, even though he said that he was going to be really solid on this commitment and he really wanted to make it before this before this last football season that he's going to have in high school. It's just all these commitments that are coming out during this crisis, I'm not exactly sure are that solid. I understand what you're saying there. Uh, one more football topic to get to. On the 5th of this month, Coach Loxley announced that Henry Baker, Terp alum, will be replacing Corey Robinson as a defensive back coach at Maryland. Baker played for the Terps from 1994 to 1997. I like it. I, I like bringing in another Terp into the staff. Uh, they already got Debo Cowsett over there um, on that side of the ball. Now they bring in uh, Henry Baker, who replaces a guy that was recruiting very well for the Terps, uh, Corey Robinson, who moved on to the NFL. Baker played in the Arena Football League in the NFL. Just kind of um, a weird process, I will say. You mean replacing Robinson? Yeah. It, it seemed like it took too long. They didn't know exactly where the, what direction they wanted to go with. Uh, this guy's been you know, around the barn a little bit, 
two stints with the Rutgers, a little bit with Delaware, uh, some with the Giants. Maybe this is a spot where uh, Henry Baker can kind of maybe settle in a little bit. You know, it seems like he's kind of bounced around. Yeah, yeah. So he was with the Tarps a couple of seasons in 2008 and 2009 in a few different roles in the defensive backfield under Ralph Regan. Yeah, I hope he sticks here. You know, Tarp alums, it's always great to see Maryland player come home. That's how I see it. And you hope he'll be able to bring us a little bit more on the recruiting side, too, because he's from the New Jersey area originally. So maybe he'll be able to pipe into Jersey and get us some diversity in terms of players. And I hope it works out. You know, defensive back, the DB coach right now is going to be a challenging position, though. And that may be one of the reasons. Well, it's player development focused. Yeah, it really is right now. That You need to get those guys ready to play because they're going to have to play next season. The guys who you maybe you don't necessarily want to play. Um, but if he can, he's up to the task. I hope he is because we need him. My only concern, though, is that he hasn't really had a. I mean, he was duller for a few years. I mean, that's FCS, but, you know, it's a high-level program. Rutgers for three years. Under Rutgers under Chris Ash was just a disaster. So I don't know what to take from that. And then he was assistant DB coach for the Giants. That's good, but I mean, it was only one season. I, I just don't. I don't see the track record right now, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think that this is them trying to bring more Maryland guys into the into the room along with getting somebody. That, that's been. been another Big Ten program. Maybe not. Maybe not the Big Ten program, certainly not Rutgers, but been in a similar uh, kind of role at this level. It's it is what it is, you know. Uh, I'm really happy they're bringing in a former Terp, but you know you don't always get guys like Corey Robinson or um, or Scotty Montgomery. You know, guys that have been everywhere and done it all, and even a guy like Mike Loxley, he's done a lot too. It's a mix. It's a it's a um, combination of different minds, and and really, I think what Coach Locks is looking for, and I think he kind of took this as a lesson from Durkin's staff. You find guys that are going to stick around. You know, Mike and and his staff, or his you know, kind of C level guys within the program. This is about building a football family. It's not about getting Mike London for one season as a defensive line coach. Or, you know, having three different offensive line coaches in three years. This is about finding guys that are going to stick around. You know, they got John Reagan from, I think it was Penn where he was. They got uh, Cassette, who's a Maryland guy from, I think, UAlbany. They bring this guy in. You know, they're trying to build... A long-lasting program because one thing that this team has lacked is consistency. It's lacked the same message. You know, they talk about how good that offensive line was supposed to be, but it, meanwhile, they're hearing you know three different position coaches in in four years. It showed. It's shown across the board. And I think that if this guy stays around, and if you know some of these guys stay around. Maybe they're not going to win. I'm not saying they're going to win 10 games a year. But what I am saying is at least they have the players. From the player perspective, they have an understanding that my coach is going to be here. He's got me. The guys that recruited me are still here. And I want to play. This is the program that I committed to play for. You know, I didn't commit to play for Randy Etzel. Then DJ Durkin shows up. And then on top of that, I have three different position coaches. That That's not how you build a winning program. I think this is the way. 
along with recruiting guys, you know, like we just talked about, Terrence Butler, three stars, local guys. And then you mix in some some really high-quality players, some really guys that are really, really ready to go. And then suddenly we're talking about a different, completely different program than what you have right now. All right, we're going to shift gears a little bit here. Um, in some recent news, and a kind of a strange Maryland connection, Daniel Gregory, brother of Maryland basketball alum Dino Gregory, who I'm sure you remember, Mason. He was part of that like formative years as our fans. Um, he saved a lot of lives in Seattle last week by stopping a car that was attempting to plow into a bunch of protesters. And I, I feel like we should acknowledge what's going on in this country at the moment. Yeah, I think we should. And, you know, a lot of Maryland players and members of this community have been very involved. Uh, Coach Loxley, Damon Evans, obviously, they have sent out a very united message about this, that, you know, Maryland now, and this a lot of this comes from Ryan Davis and these coaches that are really highly involved, especially in the football program and the football side of things, their message has been to build everybody up, you know, regardless of who you are and where you came from, through positive enforcement, through getting the right message out and getting, you know, the whole thing tuned to the point where it's about each other. It's not about yourself, but you're doing it for everybody. You know, the football family and the and that kind of concept and the way they try to bring, you know, fan input into the program. And, you know, you look at even that letter that the season ticket holders got um, at the end of this last season saying this is not where we want to be, but you will, uh, you know, you help us build our goal. I think that same message needs to be heard now. It's not one against the other. It's not beating other people out. It's about uplifting positive people and positive messages and positive... I won't even say reinforcement because I don't really like that that phrase. But positive team building in communities. That's what brings success, and it not might, and it might not be necessarily wins or losses if you look at it from the sports perspective. But it's when you look at it, and you know things didn't go right. You take, you keep going, knowing that you have the ability to get there. You know, if you know and believe and have buy-in into into a system or a program or a culture or whatever it is, you gain that belief that you can accomplish what you want to if you do these things. And everybody else around you is trying to do the same thing. And it builds positive communities and it builds better people to do the right things in society. And I think right now that's kind of what we're facing. You know, you have a group of people. You can use the same analogy of a group of kids and a new coach comes in, and the coach is all up in their face, but they thought they were buying into the last program. And then suddenly, though, you bring in somebody that wants to uplift people and, you know, listen to what everybody has to say and kind of build their program around that, and suddenly everyone's happier, and you can see it. You go to the practices, and you can see, you know, they're all talking to each other, and it's a much more positive environment. And I think that's what we need all across the board. It's just a much more positive relationship and positive environment between Everywhere. Le- between leadership and their communities. Yeah. I think that's a fair point. And I think, I mean, you can't, to some extent, you can't talk about sports right now without addressing the protests in this country because this is 
something that's kind of irked me. I'm not going to call anybody out, but there have been some people that we follow on the Interps account that have been um, at least liked and retweeted some anti-protest messages that are big Maryland fans, and this is just me talking. Okay, this isn't the Terp Talk brand, but this is how I see this. It bothers me because these are the same people that want the DMV to come to Maryland. When you talk about the DMV coming to Maryland, let's be honest, you're talking about mostly African-American kids. And Well, but you are. I don't really think so. I'm just saying. If you look, I don't think about it like that, but that's because I. That's where I just kind of see it as it's. Yes, I, I will agree with what you're saying, but I also see this area as somewhere that's just extremely across the board, very diverse. You know, yeah. I don't really think of it as, you know, you're talking about kids from the DMV and you're talking about, you know, athletes from the DMV and you're talking about a certain race. I don't really see it that way. I can see how a lot of people do, but continue. Well, it just bothers me because I feel that those are the same kids who you want to come and represent your school. They're trying to affect positive change to some extent. And Mason's trying to have a band-aid here, and that's maybe a v- actually a very good analogy of what we're doing. Those kids are trying to change their communities, and they feel that the system, the program, as Mason referred to it, has not worked for them. And they're looking for, essentially, they're trying to force a change in leadership here and get the positive change that Mason's talking about. And I do not at all condone the looting. I think protests should be peaceful, 100%. You do condone the looting. That's what you meant to say, right? I don't agree with the looting. Let's just go okay. with that. At all. And if you're trying to affect change in a positive way in a system you don't believe is working for you, then I support that completely. That's what I'm going to say. And if if a lot of people feel the system isn't working, maybe it's not. And if they want to get that change into a positive leadership, and they sort of saying, I support that. I think we support that. Yeah, and I think that it's not only that. It's how can you readjust this kind of like the the question I guess that I really have and I don't really think anybody necessarily as I was saying to Jordan earlier if somebody had the answer to a lot of this I believe it would have already been solved that's at least that's my belief in in this country and the way that a lot of this stuff works I think a lot of it comes back to how can you connect with all these communities because I think that a lot of things have been over even if you look at, you know, I'll throw out the NCAA again. It's over-institutionalized. They don't hear what the athletes want. They don't hear what uh, the fans of the sports want. They don't care. And I think that that's what, it's the same thing. You've got to find a way to, you know, if somebody is from, say, I don't know, the first district of Montgomery County. That person needs to represent these people. And the platform that they run on needs to be made by these people. And if they, whether they say they're a Democrat or a Republican, and I don't really mean to get overly political here, or an independent or whoever they are, don't vote for them because they have a D or an R next to their name. Vote for them because you look at whether it's that sheet that somebody hands you outside the polling places, which, you know, I'm kind of like in that first-time voter thing. I, I look at that. You know, they send out, you know, what are your top views? Here in Montgomery County, you have the student member of the board. And everyone likes to vote for that person because they're cooler than the other one. Or they say when you're in middle school that, oh, they're going to try and get you so your phone doesn't get taken away at lunch. Everybody votes for that guy. Yeah, that's true. But if you look at the rest of what they say, suddenly that person that runs on you're going to not have their phone taken away at lunch is saying some things that you might not agree with. 
about how things need to be run in the classroom. And I think that's kind of like the whole thing. People, there are one-issue candidates. There are one-issue business people. There are one-issue companies that make millions of dollars. They solve one thing. There's one-issue coaches. There are. There's one coach who runs a triple option. That's all he does. That's his only philosophy, is we're going to run the ball and control the clock. But I think everybody, when it comes down to it, in the clutch, you start looking into what else that person's done. Because that one issue doesn't mean anything when there's another issue out there. And I think that's what it's about, you know. Look at what the people that represent you actually stand for and vote on that. Don't vote on the party. You might hate one party or the other. Look at the background. Look at the issues and vote for the person that you agree with. Maybe it's not along party lines, but that that's my kind of two cents. Well, that's at least the way that I look at it now. And I honestly think we we'll, might revisit this issue in the next episode or future episodes. Is this? I don't think this is gonna. This protest are gonna stop. I don't know if they should. I don't think they should until people feel that they have been heard. Yeah. So we will revisit this likely in the future. And, and the one thing that I'll, that I'll kind of flash back on this and just kind of how this has changed my opinion and through a lot of athletes, I don't necessarily look at athletes for guidance when it comes to this stuff. There's a few guys like Tory Smith that I really. You know, kind of look at his views because he's more, at least in my opinion, he talks about more than just sports. It's not sports, sports, sports. Oh, suddenly this thing's happening. I'm going to start talking about politics. He talks about, you know, parenting and how to develop people. And he's very open with, you know, the choices that he's made for his family and for his kids and where to move and, and all that. So I kind of look at, kind of look to him. And, and if you really look at what a lot of people are saying now, it's about representing communities. I will say for a long time, I have somebody that would vote along a party line. Now, though, you kind of do a few double takes at some things that have been said from both sides, and you just figure out what's important to you and and pursue that because that's really what that's what America's about. All right, um, it's gonna feel weird to go back to basketball now, but I guess that's the show. Um, the Terps landed a 2021 commit in wing Baltimore wing. Ike Cornish, who committed soon after Benny Williams, a hard Maryland uh, pursuit, committed to Syracuse. Uh, the 6'6 shooting guard attends Legacy Charter, Charter High School in South Carolina, but is from Baltimore. Uh, Mason, I know you uh, had some mixed feelings on this one. I, I mean, you're not happy with the kids here, but you're a bit wary of some other things going on. Yeah, I don't... Yet again, you just look at a guy that you should have had, Benny Williams, and you lose. I've gotten to the point where I ban us from talking about top tens of basketball players or even top fives. I don't want to hear about a Maryland basketball player until they're committed to Maryland. This actually did happen. Mason has told me before that we need to stop talking about top tens and top fives for basketball. Just for the you No, know, they make the top five of this guy. They're in the discussion for that guy. You know what? Ike Cornish, that's a great get. But they actually got him. I'll throw out one from our friends over at Terrapin Times. They said, Ike, you know, Dave says on the board over there, Ike Cornish committed. Somebody comments, to who? <laughs> it, it's the same thing over and over and over again. Again, I'm glad this kid can do it. He can play almost every position. He's probably going to end up playing center for Maryland, honestly, 6'6 six, six shooting guard. Uh, that's at 185. Obviously, the 185 is going to change. It's just, I feel like I'm watching the same thing over and over and over again. Benny Williams, St. Andrews, Potomac, Maryland. You know, I, I know a lot of people personally that I know some people that went to St. Andrews. 
you think about that school, think about that area, and the way that I see it, at least, from my view, I know a lot of people say that's very international, you know, deep Potomac, Maryland. You know, that's a place that if you have money and you have ties in D.C., that's where you live. I see that as a lot of successful people in this area that went to the University of Maryland. There's a lot of university. That's that's Maryland. You know, a lot of people talk about Baltimore having, like, you know, out towards, you know, Falls Road in Baltimore, that part of the Baltimore Beltway, being a very Maryland, you know, University of Maryland. That's Maryland. That's the area that I see in Montgomery County that is Maryland. How they fail to win in some of these areas, I don't see. Why some of this stuff happens, I, I, I just don't know. I have no words. You know, we get a four-star player, but it feels like, you know, for every four-star we get, we lose ten. This kid's from Baltimore. That's great. We need people that go to high school in Maryland. I'm not saying, and it might sound like it, and I apologize if it does, that we wouldn't want this kid here. I just don't get on the losing side why we are losing so much in our state. Now, I don't really know how to look at this kid. You know, he's from Baltimore, obviously. He has connections. Uh, a lot of people say Maryland's building a pipeline into Baltimore. But he goes to high school in South Carolina. Yeah, and I understand what you're saying, Mason, and that that's been a thing for Maryland. Both football and basketball. That well, actually, let me say one more thing before right. we start actually discussing it. I would have loved to see them get both of these guys. Maybe it doesn't work that way, just because you know playing time and spots and all that. But get a kid from Potomac and a kid from Baltimore. It's just like everyone was talking about the hard pursuit of Benny Williams. Ike Corners kind of popped up like two weeks ago. The hard pursuit guy. Maybe this kid was in the bag. Maybe he really didn't want to go anywhere else but Maryland. But when you hear they're hard pursuing Benny Williams, you know, this kid, St. Andrews, Maryland, you know, he's, it's between Syracuse and Maryland. It's between Syracuse, Maryland, and Georgetown. That's a person that I personally, as somebody that looks at this and really wants, I want to win. Because there, you feel like you won something on top of a four-star player. You went out and you showed that this, in our state, that's the guy we're going to win. Now, there are going to be players like Ike Cornish, where... There isn't much competition. He got that Maryland offer. That's where he's wanted to go his whole life. That's what I would feel like if I were in this position. Four-star basketball player got an offer from Maryland. I mean, both of us, Jordan, you know well. That's it. That's almost like the end. Maybe you look at some places just for, you know. Just to be thorough. Just to be thorough. Make sure you're making the right decision for you personally. But that's the win. It's just like I would love to see us start to win. It seems like a lot of the kids that we get, they're decided they're going to go to Maryland, which I don't really have a problem with, but it would be nice to get, you know, one, two, three guys. That's a fair point. And, again, we're not knocking, knocking Ice Corner start. He's a good player. 77 ranked overall in the 247 composite. 6'6 guard. Looks like he has great versatility, good scorer. Um, yeah, I'd like to get some more meat on his bones. He is a bit skinny, but he looks like he could be a great player for the Terps. Yeah, he's a very Maryland player. Yeah, he is. He really is a very Maryland player. Very Mark Trojan player. He's a smooth ball handler. He's a good scorer. I didn't see much on the defensive side when I was watching some highlights, but those are highlights. Uh, you know, somehow Mark Turgeon, for all of his coaching, lacking of possible coaching, as we like to rant on about on this podcast, he finds a way to get some of these guys to become decent defensive players. Yeah, defense actually is usually not a problem. It's usually, for some reason, it's scoring. Well, we know it's scoring because the field couldn't run an offensive set half the time. That's a, that's a different issue. And when we will rant on if necessary, but uh, you got one that we do rant on when necessary. 
Um, but you got to point out, just because you do have to point it out, Ike Cornish, Julian Reese, those are both two solid-looking players. Merrill's number five in the 2021 rankings right now. Like, we're doing, it seems like we're doing well. We're setting up, and I know we don't, like, mention this, but we do have some top five, top tens of really highly rated players that we, are from this class. Could be a good class in 2021. You know what, maybe, and I'll comment on this when we're getting down, probably up against the clock here in this one. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm looking at this wrong. The fact that they got Julian Reese and Ike Cornish, that might draw in a five-star. Maybe it will. You know, it's a different build. We don't have this build on at Mar- Maryland. Um, it's usually they miss on the five stars, and then they end up getting Ike Cornish and Julian Reese at the horn. Or Ike Cornish and a transfer. They even miss on Julian Reese, or, the, you know, the other way around. This might be a more better building of a class. You know, a lot of people talk about the first one's the hardest one to get. And then from there, it becomes easier and easier because you've got, you know, let me have you talk to blah, 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 who's already committed here. I think you might have that. And sure, they missed on their first kind of big ending with Benny Williams. as a lot of players, a lot of people were looking at him. A lot of people already knew about him. Cornish kind of, you know, it is Maryland. A lot of people from Maryland know a lot of basketball players that play in Maryland. He doesn't. He plays in South Carolina. Um but recent Cornish is a great class, and I think Cornish really lanky, as Jordan said. Uh, nice ball handling move. Looks like he can score it. Kind of Dante Scott, at least in my opinion, maybe a little bit better shooter. Um, he, he fits into the system well. It's just gonna be, come on, can we get, can we get Rack Jarrett? Can we get Caleb Williams? Caleb Williams. Can we get Damian Robinson? Where is the one that everyone's going to say, man, Maryland got that guy. They're serious. We haven't had that in basketball since Diamond Stone. And one more thing to say before we uh, wrap this one up. Um, this is something Mason has actually harped on more than any. One thing with Cornish and Reese, they both wanted to come to Maryland. And I think that matters to some extent, at least it does for me. Yeah, there are the players like these two that are going to want to come to Maryland, and I really want Maryland to take those guys. And then there are the players that really strongly consider Maryland that you got to go sell. It's it's a one-and-one. One. I know I've said it very skewed a lot of the times just because that's kind of the platform that this show gives me, I guess, is if you don't want to be here, then don't come here. In a lot of the times of the cases, there's there are the kids that really want to be here. You, in my opinion, have to take those guys if they really meet the quality standard that you want. They can fill a need that you have. You have to take them. But there are players you got to go out and get. You know, being in this area, you're very gifted as far as a recruiter. You have some fantastic basketball players. A lot of them, or enough of them, which want to come to Maryland if Maryland offers. And then it seems like you have the top-tier, top-of-the-line NBA-level talent, one-and-done-level talent that's here, and those guys, they need to be sold. You have to go out and get them. We have missed on the guys that you have to go out and get. But I commend Mark Turgeon for looking at both of these guys saying, you know what, they want to come to Maryland. They look like the kind of player that we could use. Let's go get these guys. Now let's see where we go from here. Because I'll tell you one thing, you know, there's a lot of people talking about, well, Maryland doesn't have spots, Maryland doesn't have this, Maryland doesn't have that. They'll make room for another four, high four or five star. You have got to get one of those players. 
you know, this might work better for the longevity of the program. We need something to energize the fan base. And it's not going to be a bunch of four, four stars because that's become the expectation. At this point, it's got to be a five star. And I think, Jordan, you can agree with that. I would agree with that. And I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, we'll see when we get back. I'm not going to say promise anything this time because I don't know when we're getting back. Mason and I are both very busy these days, actually. Um, but if there's news, big football commit, there's something else we want to talk about, we'll be back on the podcast. Yeah, and one thing that I would like to bring up, and, and I'm really considering starting to do this, is I want to hear from the fans. If you have something to say about Maryland, shoot us a DM on Twitter, and I kind of want to have that conversation on this podcast. You know, I think I think that's an interesting way to kind of, well, we have a minute here, you know, two weeks of news, and we went on various rants in 40 minutes um, from both of us, actually. That's a rare occurrence, the Jordan rants. But, it is. I mean, it did happen. I, I want to kind of get a fan pulse going. You know, get get what is the feeling, especially around the football program, because basketball has been pretty qu- quiet. Uh, sure, they've gotten a few kids. Sure, they've missed on a guys, but that that seems to happen every week around here. I just kind of want to hear. I want to start to hear some opinions. So if you have them and you wanna you wanna voice them, shoot us a DM on Twitter and and you know there will be a slight vetting process possibly. Um, of course, all the um, editing rights are reserved to both of us. So if you say anything too crazy, it might need to get whacked. But but yeah, if you wanna if you wanna have your opinions heard about the Terps and and kind of discuss you know your view of things. Shoot us a DM, and we'll try and get you on. I think that does it, Mason. I think we're done here. Yeah, so do I. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors of this podcast, Viner Four Gates and Rockville, for all of your business IT needs. No better person to help your business than a Terp, and Viner Four Gates is full of Terps. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one Viner, V-I-E-N-E-R.com. And Ally Party Rentals for all of your party rental needs. Choose a Maryland-owned small business, Ally Party Rentals. You can visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com on the web or at 301-986-0067. And yeah, Jordan, I think that's a wrap. And as always, thanks for listening.